Welcome to Pushing Back the Dark with Lacey Buchanan. I'm so glad you're here to walk this journey hand in hand with me as we strive to walk worthy of our calling as mothers, wives, women, and image bearers of God. I look forward to living out our purpose together as we keep on pushing back the dark. Hey, everybody, and thank you so very much for being here today on my podcast, Pushing Back the Dark. This is Lacey Buchanan, and I am thrilled to have you here today. Um, We are still um, early in this podcast, um, but I am loving it. I think it's going super, super well. Um, If you didn't catch last week's episode, please do check it out. It is an interview with none other than Christian Buchanan, who just had um, a birthday last week. He turned 10, you guys, double digits. It was such a big birthday for us. We um, took him to a hotel and stayed for the night at his request, and we've not been to a hotel in a long time because of COVID, so it was a big, big treat for him, lots of fun. Um, And then just had a little small get-together on Saturday for him. So he had a fantastic time. Um, If you want to see our um, adorable Peppa Pig birthday pictures with his cute um, Peppa Pig cake and shirt, um, you can go to Instagram um, or our Facebook page. Um, On Instagram, it's Lacey Buchanan. And on Facebook, it is Lacey and Christian Buchanan. Um, And you can see his cute photos there, um, some updates about his birthday, Um, I did a live the night before his birthday, or maybe the night of his birthday. I think it was the night of his birthday, and cried a little bit, um, so that's always fun. Um, I I shared his birth story um, on Facebook last week, so that was a lot of fun. Um, So go check that out. Um, As always, go check out LaceyBuchanan.com. Still a work in progress, but we are getting there. We are getting it um, up and going, and have lots of updates going on there. Um, you can always check out our blog at christianbuchanan.blogspot.com um, to read our most recent updates there. Um, had a little bit of a possible cancer scare that I share about on there. So for anybody who hasn't heard that news yet, um, I did get the call from my doctor um, two weeks ago this coming Friday that um, that I did not have cancer, that the place that they found wasn't cancer. But you can read more about that on our blog christianbuchanan.blogspot.com. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for being here. I'm I'm just so excited um, that you are here. Um, If you want to get some um, more personal photos, more personal insights, more personal um, talks, um, and extra content that I don't post on social media, you can always check out our Patreon. Um, I post a lot of special things just for our Patreon fans. Um, and I am on Patreon at Lacey Buchanan, so feel free to check that out as well. Um, and I'm just glad you're here today, and I have something um, to talk about today that was requested, actually. A friend of mine um, had requested that I talk about this, and the reason that I thought it was such a great idea, she was struggling with it, and we discussed it. We had a great conversation about it, and I thought it would make a great podcast topic because it's something that I have struggled with a lot. So I wanted to talk about it today. And it's um, I titled this podcast The Perfect Mom um, because that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, I think it plagues almost every mom that I know. Um, and, it, and it's um, just this comparison trap, this ideology about being perfect, about being the perfect mom. Um, about being everything to everybody all the time, 
Um, and I think, you know, as women, we tend to serve more and try to be more and do more. Um, and a lot of times more than, than we're physically capable. And then when we aren't able to meet those unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves, then we feel like we failed. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. A little bit about me that I'm sure most of you probably know. I absolutely love authenticity. It's one of my favorite things, if you will. Uh, it's one of my um, core values. Um, it's one of those things that I work really hard to do. Um, it's super, super important to me. And it's definitely, um, it's, it's a core value to me, meaning that it is something that stays in the forefront of my mind as a, the type of person I want to be and something that I, I actively work toward being, um, authenticity. Um, so when I first entered the world of social media influencer, this was, um, nine years ago now, guys, when Christian was a baby. And if you've not seen the, um, the, the viral video, you can go to my YouTube. It's the very first video I posted on YouTube um, under Lacey Buchanan. Um, that video went viral and I immediately became a social media um, sensation overnight. It was just wild. Um, and so when that first happened, I think one of the things that people genuinely liked about me and my content was that I was authentic and I was genuine. Um, I was honest and I was as real as I knew how to be. Um, and honestly, I didn't know how to be any other way. Um, trying to be anything other than authentic is, is hard for me. Um, I'm a terrible liar. Um, I've had people joke, then why did you become a lawyer? Which I think is hilarious. Um, but I am, I'm a terrible liar. Um, I cannot, if, if, if I lie to you, <laughs> you're going to know it because I can't keep a straight face. I can't keep my voice, you know, level. I, I can't do it. I just can't lie. Um, and, I also am not the type to fake it till I make it. I get that advice all the time, especially in the professional world, and I hate that advice. I cannot do it. Um, I am as transparent as cellophane you can see right through me. I cannot fake it till I make it. It's just, I think that's terrible advice. I don't like it. I don't believe, there are instances where fake it till you make it works, but I don't think there's a lot of them, and I think that advice is given really poorly at times. Um, so when I became a social media influencer and I started receiving messages from people telling me that they loved how real I was and how open and honest I was about my struggles, about my highs and my lows, it helped me to really realize and define authenticity in my life um, and what that looks like um, for me. And it helped me to be more purposeful about my authenticity. Um, and so that was a really great thing, but I was totally shocked by the messages that I kept getting from people telling me um, that I was such an amazing mother, um, that I was just this great and inspiring person. And, and it was shocking to me because I felt like they were seeing a totally different person online than who I saw when I looked in the mirror. And, you know, the thing is, I don't really feel like an amazing mom uh, most of the time. Um, some days I'm like, yeah, I'm getting it. I've got it all together. We accomplished all these things. You know, some days I just feel like everything just clicks. But I, I mean, if you just asked me, am I an amazing mom? My quick answer is no, I'm not. Um, in fact, I have seen myself on particularly difficult days and I, I can be a lot of things besides amazing. Um, 
And I've also never considered myself to be inspiring. And I don't get offended by that word. I know that some disabled people, um, and, and rightfully so, you know, they get a little bit offended by being called inspiring for having a disability. Um, and, and I understand that. Um, and it doesn't offend me, but I don't think that I'm inspiring just for raising a child with a disability and doing, you know, what he needs done. Um, and, and so I don't see myself as in, inspiring. So when other people tell me that, it, it, it feels fake, if you will. Um, it feels like I'm faking them, right? Um, so being somebody who has always struggled with self-confidence issues and self-worth issues um, and hearing others tell me how great I am, like, you would think, oh, that would be a confidence booster. Well, for me, it wasn't. It actually didn't feel good. Um, it felt like a lie um, because I knew the truth, right? I knew that while someone was sending me a message to tell me how great of a mother I was, I just lost it and yelled at the boys. Um, I knew that I had just made this low grade on my civil procedure test at, in law school while somebody was telling me how great of a person I am and how amazing I am for raising kids while I'm going to law school. Um, the, the kicker comment that just really did me in was when somebody um, would say something to the effect of they wish they had it all together like me. I would literally laugh out loud when I read that comment because I know how much I do not have it together. Um, so, and you know, the, my biggest fear was that at any moment, everyone was going to see through me and realize that I was a fake and a fraud, right? Like they were going to know that this person I was on social media was not who I was in real life. And, and this is the thing. I wasn't trying to deceive anybody. I wasn't trying to present this perfect picture but that's just that's just social media. You don't post the bad things on social media, right? You don't. It's the highlight reels for a reason. You post the good stuff. So when I made the now viral video with Christian about nine years ago, I was actually in the middle of one of the hardest times in my entire life. Like that video came out of some of the deepest pain I have ever experienced, and it was very raw and very real. Because I was in the middle of that pain. And I think that's what people saw. But I was a mess, y'all. I was entering the this long, I mean like eight year long stage of depression and anxiety. My marriage was falling apart. <laughs> and it would crumble even further over the next few years. Um, law school was an absolute struggle. I was barely making it through. I mean, forget thriving. I was barely keeping my head above water. Um, I was literally scraping by trying to find babysitters just so I could get to class. I mean, it, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, I would nurse Chandler, hand into a babysitter and run out the door while the kids screamed and stood at the door crying for me, you know, and I, I don't even know what I'm wearing. I haven't eaten I don't even know if I've got my books with me. I mean, it was like, it was just a struggle to even get there some days. Um, I'm not sure how we afforded it. Um, we paid for my school as we went so that I wouldn't have student loan debt. And while I was in law school, guys, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. We were poor. We were struggling financially. I mean, we made it, but there was not a penny left over at the end of the month. Um, I felt like I, at this time in my life, I felt like I wasn't doing anything well. Um, 
and everything was a disaster. I felt like I was screwing up school. I felt like I was screwing up my kids for life. I felt like there was nothing I could do to fix my marriage. And I felt like my entire life was just a huge and total disaster. Um, it, it was a chaotic mess and it is not what I would call going well. But here's the thing. I was not going to post any of these things um, about my failing marriage or how much I was sucking at school or like that I had just yelled at my kids. Those things were not going on social media. And I didn't even know how to talk about depression when I was going through it. I didn't even know what it was until years later. Um, I didn't recognize that I had depression for at least three or four years um, into it. And before, when I was able to pinpoint, hey, this is depression, um, I just knew that I was in this dark place. But everybody around me just saw light that I didn't believe existed. I only saw chaos and ugly and a hysterical mess. And I wasn't about to post any of that on Facebook. <laughs> um, but the truth is, at this time in my life, I was constantly focused on how I could never do enough um, or ever be enough for everybody that needed me. Um, if I worked hard at school, it meant that I spent less time with the kids. If I spent more time with the kids, it meant that my schoolwork suffered. Um, forget the domestic workload and all the other things that I had to do. Um, those got done when I found time between everything else when I would you know, miss out on sleep. Um, and so I wasn't even doing those things well. Like there was nothing in my life that I felt like was going well. I felt like I was constantly failing at every single thing I did. And constantly failing at everything weighed on my perfectionist spirit really heavily. In hindsight, I wonder if God used that time to sort of break my perfectionism a little bit. And, and I'm thankful for it now. But at the time... You know, it didn't feel good. The refining fire hurts. Um, but to those on the outside, they never knew what was going on because I didn't let them know. Um, because on social media, we're only going to share the highlight reels, the the good times, the you know the the pretty pictures. Not the um, I like that joke about the the back facing camera when you open up your camera and it's facing you. Um, you know, and this, the, the way it looks, it always cracks me up because that's how I feel. Um, you're never going to share those pictures, right? Just the gorgeous professional ones and the ones that you've staged and posed and you're wearing your makeup and your hair's fixed. Um, it's not exactly appropriate to share the darkness, right? Um, so I spent probably at least five or six years, I would say, in this darkness of depression before I ever even mentioned it on Facebook. Um, and it started out really slowly, just like, you know, guys, I'm not okay today. Like, you know, like I, it was subtle hints here and there. Um, it wasn't even like, Hey, my name is Lacey and I have depression. Um, it wasn't anything like that. Um, there were days that I thought I might actually literally just succumb to this darkness. I was never suicidal. Um, but there were days where, like, it hurt so bad, I, you know, I thought, I hate being alive. <laughs> um, but to see my social media feed and to look back on my memories, you would never have known it. Um, I remember specifically one day, I was in such a bad place that um, 
my husband, Chris, asked our pastor to call and talk to me um, because he just didn't even know how to help me. Um, and, you know, we, we were, I mean, just had a, we were just in a really bad place in our marriage as well. So he wasn't really even in a position to help me at the time. And I remember talking to our pastor and not even being able to articulate a single reason why I felt the way that I did. Um, I just remember not being able to control my sobs and that never went on Facebook guys. Um, but that day will, you know, live in my memory forever. Um, I was so worried about what people might think if they found out the truth about me, that if they discovered my secret, that I wasn't everything they thought I was. Um, and that pressure to be this hero that everybody thought I was, that was heavy too. And that just compounded um, everything for me. I wondered what they would do if they found out I wasn't actually on this pedestal that they put me on, right? And it was scary. Um, I didn't want to d disappoint one more person or have one more failure. Um, I felt like I was already failing at so many things. I didn't think I could handle one more. Um, and so it, it was a struggle. And you know, my biggest fear though, out of everything was failing my kids. I was so anxious all the time because I felt like no matter what, there was never enough time to do all my kids needed done or to give them everything that they needed from me. Um, I was pulled in a hundred different directions all day long and I never felt like I spent enough time with any, with either of my kids. Um, I never sang to them enough, read to them enough, played with them enough. Um, I remember carrying around this constant guilt because I felt like I never worked with Christian enough on his therapies or his schooling or whatever he needed to have worked on. Um, for those of you who don't have kids who have to have therapies, the way they work is you go to therapy for 30 minutes or an hour um, once a week per therapy. And then until you come back the next week, you work on a few things with the child. Um, and the, the plan is to build those skills. And Christian needed, I mean, Christian started out in therapy learning how to raise his head, learning how to... Um, take his hands um he always would hold his hands together so he had to learn how to like move one hand at a time and move them away from his body I mean we started at like ground zero and had to build this child up from the ground with his skills I mean with everything and so it took massive amounts of therapy but and the therapy is great but it doesn't it, it's it's uh, incomplete without you continuing to build on those skills at home and I never felt like I did enough of that skill building at home with him. I felt so guilty about it all the time. And the consequences the, uh, in my head, sorry, I hit my microphone, guys. The consequences in my head was that he's never going to meet his developmental milestones. He's never going to overcome his disability. He's never going to get to where he needs to be. And it's going to be all my fault because I wouldn't t take the time to sit down and work with him one more hour. There was always more that needed to be done. There was always something else to do. And and to top that off, I was afraid of what others would think when they found out that I wasn't doing enough for Christian because I was constantly hearing how great of a mom I was. I was terrified that people were going to find out I was so a horrible mom. Like, why are you not doing all of his therapies all the time? You know, um, I was worried that people would confirm my fears that I was a horrible mom. And, you know, Christian had all these needs, but y'all, Chandler was not an easy baby. Um, 
Chandler wanted to be held and nursed constantly for the first two years of his life. And, you know, people will say, oh, every baby wants that. No, Chandler would not be more than eyesight shot away from me for two years. Um, he nursed 20, 30 times a day for the first two years of his life. Um, and, and so I was constantly being pulled just between the boys. And I spent my entire life triaging who got my attention for what, what got the most attention at the moment, you know, who screamed the loudest, who got the dirtiest at the time. That's what got my attention at the moment. Um, I was living literally just moment by moment most of the time. And y'all, the toddler years are just like that. For anybody listening to this who's like, I feel the same way. That's the toddler years. And I just want you to know it does get better. It, it really does. Um, the toddler years, the baby years, there's so much triage going on. Um, but it does get better. Um, but as I've gotten older and the kids have gotten older, one thing that I've learned and wanted to share with you guys today um, is this. I have come to sort of <laughs> make peace with the fact that I will never be a perfect mom. Um, and and I, I'm still learning. Um, you know, some days are better than others. Um, but I can say today, you know, right here, um, to you guys that I will never be the perfect mom and, and that is okay. Um, because I don't have to be the perfect mom um, for my children. Uh, my kids don't need the perfect mom. They just need me. They um, will thrive and do much better having a happy and mentally healthy mom than a mom who is depressed and beating herself up because she thinks she's not perfect enough. Um, my kids need my love, not my perfection. They need to see me make mistakes and they need to see me handle them. They need to see me apologize when I'm wrong and make things right. Um, they need to see me fall down and pick myself back up as an example for them because guess what? They're not perfect either. They're going to mess up too. And to have a standard of perfection that they think they need to live up to would not be healthy for them. So being imperfect is in a way a gift to my also imperfect children. Um, I was always so afraid, y'all, that I would mess my boys up, right? Like I was just going to ruin them. They were just going to grow up and just be ruined and it was going to be all my fault. And particularly, I was worried that they would never know Jesus or that they would never want to follow God, that I would just completely turn them off from God and it would be all my fault, right? It would just be all the guilt, all of the shame of that would be on me. I would lose sleep about it at night, guys. I would literally lay in bed at night and just dread over something I did or said and just wondering, will this be the reason that my child is going to reject God? Will this will this be the day that my child, my four or five year old child, just says, I don't want any part of that. Um you know, I, I felt like I never prayed enough with them. I never did enough Bible reading with them. I was not myself holy enough to be an example for them. So how could they ever come to know God the way that they should when they have a mother who can't be what she should? Um, I recently heard Sally Clarkson say something that just meant a whole, whole lot to me. Um, and I think it's pertinent here. She said, God has access to our children's hearts and minds in ways that we don't. When you think about it that way, 
it takes some of the pressure off, you know. It wouldn't matter what I did in some respects. I will never have access to my children's hearts and minds in particular ways. And especially in ways that God does have access to them. I can specifically remember being a small child and hearing God call to me at a very young age, well before the age of 10. I would say six or seven even maybe. I, I, I felt that calling. God calls people, you know, despite their parents, despite their upbringing, despite their background, you know, it's a little embarrassing to say, but it took me a while to figure that out for in, in application to my own kids, that my kids' salvation didn't totally like rest up on my shoulders. And like saying it now, it just sounds so ludicrous. Um, but there was a time when I did not believe that. Um, God is working in my children, despite me and my shortcomings. Um, and this is the thing too, it's like my perfection is never going to get them to heaven or convince them to follow Jesus. There is no scripture out there, y'all, that says parents be perfect so your children can be saved. Like it's just not there. Um, it's, it's frivolous to think that we can be perfect enough to earn salvation for our children, right? That's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to earn or buy or uh, work my way into, you know, work to obtain salvation for my children. Um, and, you know, I'm raising my children for eternity, um, for something not of this world. And so because of that, I want them to see a mom with an eternal perspective and not this legalistic perfectionism complex that is driven by fear and legalism or, you know, thinking I can be good enough. Um, it's an act of faith to trust God that he will complete the good work that he starts in the hearts of our children um, and that he will call them and save them just like he did us um, and so many others. Um, I have learned and I'm still learning to trust in the process that is making me holy um, and to also trust that that same process will also make my children holy. Um, I've learned to trust God to do what he says he will do um, and to trust that he loves my boys even more than me and that he's not going to just overlook them because of my faults or because of my imperfections. Um, I've also learned that thinking my children's eternity was solely resting on my shoulders was a serious heart issue for me. Um, I'm just going to be blunt. I didn't trust that Jesus was enough for my kids. Um, I didn't trust that Jesus was enough for my kids' salvation and that somehow I was, that it was up to me that there was some box I needed to check because Jesus couldn't do it, right? Like I, Jesus needed me to fill in some gaps, right, for my kids. That's exactly 
the mindset that I was working from. And I didn't realize that it wasn't a conscious thought. I didn't consciously think, hey, Jesus, I got this. Um, but that's really, that's really what it was. Um, I felt this need to do something or be something that Jesus wasn't. Um, and I was putting myself in Jesus's place for my children, to be quite frank. Um, I was trying to earn their salvation. <laughs> um, and that was really difficult for me to admit when I learned it. And now I, I'm happy to share it because I think maybe some other mom out there is feeling the same way. And now to me, it's, it's humbling that I was there and that God has taught me and, and fixed that heart issue for me that, so that I'm not there anymore. Um, y'all, I was trying to be Jesus for my kids instead of allowing Jesus to be Jesus. And all it did was cause me some serious mental anguish. Um, so it was an act of faith for me to lay this down at his feet and to trust that God could and would water the seeds that I planted and would reach my children and call them to himself. Um, it was also refining for me to see how I wasn't trusting God in that place in my life and to grow in that area. Um, my perfectionism tendencies were being driven um, just to be honest, by this deep fear that maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was or that God couldn't or wouldn't do what he said he would do. Um, and so breaking my chains of perfectionism has been an act of learning to trust and believe in a deeper way. Um, I don't think God calls us to perfectionism. Um, you know, he says, be perfect as I am perfect, but he's talking about um, loving perfect. Um, and he, he's not calling us to be perfectionists in that verse. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And, and this is something I'm still working on, but I've made so much progress that I just wanted to, to share that with you guys today. Um, this perspective has helped me to learn to be okay with my imperfections and to not feel so much pressure to always be perfect. It also helps me to remember um, that seeing someone else's amazing social media posts and what looks like their perfect life, um, it's like looking through the window of a house. Like you can get a small glimpse, but you can't see the whole thing, right? And you can't see what's going on inside. Highlight reels are highlight reels. They're not the full picture. Um, they are not the whole story. And the chances are that person with the perfect looking life is not perfect either. Um, and they're doing like everybody else and not sharing the bad stuff, right? Um, in my opinion, um, perfect is overrated and it's a false narrative anyway. Um, perfectionism doesn't exist except in Jesus, of course. Um, but you know, we're all out there trying to put on this error that, that we have it all together and that we are perfect. Um, you know, and like I said, that's the, that's the, beautiful thing about all this is that we're not called to be perfect. Um, we're called to be holy as God is holy. Um, and obviously that doesn't mean that we can just do whatever we want. Oh, well, I don't have to be perfect. I can just do whatever. I mean, obviously Paul says in Romans, you know, when he poses the question, since God grace, God's grace has set us free from the law, can we go on sinning? And, and then he answers that question. Of course not. Um, but legalism doesn't save. Perfectionism doesn't save. Jesus saves. And when we put so much clout in perfectionism, um, we are stepping into a role that Jesus should be filling. Um, 
it's replacing Jesus with something else, with our own ideas of how perfect we can be. Um, so dropping those chains of perfectionism, it's obviously not a license to not follow our scriptural call to holiness, but it is an invitation to lay down the burden um, that you are not called to carry um, and one that will cause you harm uh, and can cause your family harm. Um, and, you know, I just, I'm so thankful that God doesn't call us to perfectionism. Um, you know, he doesn't ask us to do anything that we can't do through him. Um, God calls us to him, not, not, not to things that, that would pull us away from him. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. Like I've said, if we could be perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. If we could be enough for salvation, to earn salvation on our own, what what did we need the sacrifice of Jesus for? Um, so striving for perfection is is futile in that sense. Um, I, and I think we have to be careful, you know, walking this line, admitting our failures and our inability to be good enough is admitting our need for Jesus. Um, you know, that's part of repentance is admitting that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus. Um, the Bible's full of scriptures on humility, and I think humility is an important characteristic. Um, um, and, you know, like, for example, Ephesians chapter 4 says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, Proverbs tells us to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will exalt us. Um, and one of my favorite verses in Micah chapter 6 um, gives us an instruction to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. Um, but none of those say um, walk perfectly or um, be perfect um, because God knows we can't be perfect. He already knows that. Um, and that's why he extends such lavish grace and mercy toward us. And that's why his grace and mercy are so amazing because we are so far from perfect and he has so much patience and so much grace um, in, in our mess. Um, so today, mamas, I just want you to know that God's got you. Um, he already knows all of your faults and your flaws and he loves you anyway. Um, you are fully and wholly known by God already. You can't hide any of that stuff from him. He sees every part of you and he loves you. He calls you his. Um, God doesn't need your perfectionism, nor does he want it. He wants your obedience and he wants your heart. And those are worthy things to strive for over perfection. So I just want to encourage you today to give yourself some grace. Um, if you have time, take a moment today to meditate on how God sees you um, and how he loves you in all of your messiness and how Jesus um, you know, covers us, um, and we don't have to be perfect because of Jesus. And take some time to lay your perfectionism at the foot of the cross and to give it up. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve God. It's okay that you aren't enough because God is enough. Um, his strength is made perfect in our weakness, and uh, we can trust him for that. So thank you guys for listening today. I hope this was encouraging to you. Um, I would love to hear from you. Um, please go to LaceyBuchanan.com and send me some feedback. 
um, on the podcast. Please let me know if you have some topics you'd like me to discuss. I'm so excited to hear from you guys um, and cannot wait until next time. Thank you guys.